0: If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider.
1: It's the Mike Mussinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.
0: Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Mike Mussinelli Podcast, Friday, October 20th, podcast number. 125, and we come to you today in shock. At least I come to you in shock. Um, and there are a lot of people on social media that are thrown in in my face that producer Darren was right and I was wrong. I said sweep or at max five games. All right. So don't at me. uh Any, any event, the Mike Misnelli podcast is brought to you by Vet Rivers. Uh, I bet the game last night. I bet the Phillies last night and uh, on the BetRivers app, and I lost. So uh, a disappointing loss for the Phillies last night. So let's let's just uh, get, get into the, the backdrop of this. Uh, they didn't hit, okay? They, they did not hit, and they let a rookie in a desperate spot uh, cuff them. And then they let the Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen off the hook when the manager uh, jumped the gun and took a starter out who was pitching very well. Uh, and all this comes down to the Phillies not hitting. Now, uh, is that going to happen all the time? No, it's not going to happen all the time. And it's one loss and people are freaking out. And don't freak out because they're going to win game five behind um, uh, uh, Su- uh, San- Suarez tonight. Or excuse me, Sanchez. Uh, and uh, it's not a big deal. But uh, let's look at some things I- I- inside here. Uh, w- okay, maybe they put too much trust in Kirkering. In that spot, um, maybe they crossed their fingers that Kimberl would get through it in a tie game. Uh, it did not happen. Now, um, more of this backdrop is that uh, uh, and this is an easy get for me. OK, uh, the Phillies did not take batting practice before that game last night. Now, you can make, not make that a big deal, but you just flew across the country. All right. And uh, it always to me, it always helps when you see ball off bat. Uh, whether it's a a benign batting practice session or not. I don't know that you can fly across the country and think that you're so good offensively that you don't need to take a few swings. I I just don't understand that mentality, what that was all about. If it was maybe the second game in Arizona and you hit well in game one, then maybe that's a little different, but, um, I thought that was very peculiar. Um, they, they took fielding practice, which is fine, but, uh, I don't know. It it seems like you're taking liberty with uh, how good you are offensively when you decide not to take batting practice before the first game in somebody else's ballpark. I just thought it was weird. I'm not going to blame that for the loss. Okay, it was a bad approach uh, and maybe they got overconfident that that young pitcher would beat them. Uh, I don't know what it was, but uh, for for them to have that many swings and misses, they had 17 in the game, swings and misses, which is kind of weird. Uh, now here's some minor problems that we have to address before we get into the guts of this game and what actually happened in this game. Alec Boehm is in a slump, and uh, when you're hitting behind Harper in a cleanup spot, you can't be in a slump. Now I'm not bailing out on uh, Alec Boehm at all. As far there are some people that overreact. The thing about a loss makes people overreact, and it kind of gets my gall uh, because there are people say, "Well, now it's." Uh, uh, it, 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 it's time to get Bohm out of there and you replace him with Sosa. I mean, come on, seriously. Uh, and then the other thing is they got a problem in the nine hole because that kid can't hit a loud foul right now, all right? Um, and that's all well and good when the top of your order is blasted. But when you need the bottom of the order to, to, to carry serve, Rojas is, is a hole in the lineup. Now, uh, do you respond to that and send a message of panic? To your team by saying, oh, no, no, now we got to change things. When you have a set lineup that has been producing and it's one loss, just one loss in this, uh, in this postseason, uh, or do you say, you know what Rojas is overmatched. So here's what I got to do against the right-handed pitcher. Uh, I got to put Jake cave in, in left field and I move Brad Marsh, uh, uh Brandon Marsh to, to center field. Uh, you don't, take Alec Boehm out of the lineup. Now, if, even if you take him out of that spot, are you uh, introducing the concept to your team that, oh no, you're a little nervous. I don't know what they're going to do, frankly, in that type of situation. I can only point out what have been holes in the lineup. Rojas has been a serious hole in that lineup and and so has Bohm. Although Bohm had a clutch double the last time they played baseball in Philadelphia, uh, and he hit the ball hard a couple times. So I got a feeling that Thompson is not going to panic, and he's going to come back with the same lineup and trust it for another game in Arizona. And if they lose that game and those same problems surface, then um, he he might change it. Uh, But uh, short of that, Thompson is not a guy who's going to panic. Now, as it it pertains to Kimbrell, there are a lot of people that take the result and go see and I go, what else were you gonna do in that spot like you, you did you have an alternative to Kimbrel to pitch in that spot like if you did tell me what it was now I understand he he has blown some games this year but he's also pitched pretty well and he's gotten through some things the best you could do is send out your best alternative and hope that it plays out there. What, uh, who else was in that bullpen that you go uh, in the tie game in uh in the uh, ninth inning, I'm going to use this guy. Like who, who was it? All right. Let me bring producer Darren in Darren. Uh, a lot of people lauding you because you're hey, the diamond me hey, you're hey, spunky diamond bags, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I didn't, I didn't say a word. <laughs>
1: I think baseball is a quirky game, Mike, and I just it's very difficult for me to just predict the, uh, you know, oh, it's, a, it's definitely going to be a sweep after a couple of games. That's why I just thought look, they're a pesky team. The Diamondbacks, they can play small ball well, and they they wreak havoc on the bases when they get on. Um, I'm still not worried about the series. I still think they win in five. The only change I would consider would be swapping Bone for Real Muto. A couple of people, a lot of people, tweeted at me last night. Maybe switch Casti. I would not move Castellanos. That's clearly his most successful, uh, you know, spot in the lineup. He's scorching hot right now in that spot. And by the way, so is Real Muto. But you're not moving Real Muto that much, and Real Muto is used to that place in the lineup. He played a lot. Uh, this season and throughout his, his career backing up um, since he's been here backing up Harper. So that would be the only switch I would consider. Rojas is in the lineup for a reason. He is not in the lineup to get you hits. He's in the lineup to make the catch he made against Acuna uh, in the NLDS clincher. He's in the lineup to make the, because he covers more. ground. He's probably the best defensive center fielder the Phillies have had since Gary Maddox. In, fa- in fact, I know he is. And and I think you could compete with Maddox as a fielder. That's how good this kid is in center field, and that's why you don't move him. Well, what's
0: what's interesting about your what's interesting about your uh, Rojas as Gary Maddox uh, comment is that he probably should have caught the ball that went to the wall last night. All right, so no, I don't know I don't if the, I don't know, know if this is a day no, that you laud his great defense. I mean,
1: Rojas is tough. Swinging a bat. What Pache's Okay, worse. Except he didn't make the catch last night. That was all important. He is a great defensive player, though. He's a tremendous
0: defensive player, my It's partly him. on him, yes. He did it's it. partly he did on him. It. What
1: What You're did right. the Arizona Diamondbacks
0: do on the bases that was so magnificent They're last night? Partly. I, I don't have. He's probably. They're a spunky team. They're good on the. But what did they do on the bases? They
1: stole, they they stole a base on the stole a
0: base late in the game. OK, he said, well, they laid the game. That was the inning they messed up with the double play. Yeah, Let, let's get into the crux of the game. OK, uh, if Rojas is not going to catch that ball, uh, I get it. He's a great defensive player. You need to catch that ball. You need, he got tentative. He's going back to that wall. Now, it, he's in a different ballpark. I get it. But a great player makes that catch. It's simple as that. A great defender makes that catch. So, yes, he is absolutely partly responsible for that loss last night. You ask the people, and I'm not
1: one. I would have brought in Kimbrel in this in that spot last night because that's where you bring and They had no alternative.
0: Well, if what is your alternative? Hit. Listen, Rojas. Uh, right Brandon would Marsh would differently. In center field? Would you leave it the same? No, Rojas wasn't even a thought because they thought they were fine defensively in center field with Brandon Marsh. So if you don't believe the kick and hit against a right-handed pitcher, maybe you throw another left-handed bat in there. Who? Who? I mean, you're, you can If a guy, the guy is 0 for the world in the postseason. I understand that.
1: Who are you putting in? Give me your alternative. I you just told you who else? I'm
0: putting in. You didn't listen. You gonna put Cave in? Yes. Oh my god. To get more yeah. hitting in the. Line. I'm just saying that this is the thought that they have to think about. Now they won't do it. I'm saying that it's possible that they're not going to all of a sudden be terrible in center field because Marsh is there. It's. it's, it's you're, you're not replacing. a a good fielder with a bad fielder. So maybe that's what they think about. All right, now let's get into the game here Uh, because the game comes down to obviously uh, the ninth inning where where they win the game. Um, And there are a lot of intriguing little plays in this game. It was an exciting game because of these intriguing plays. So uh, let's start uh, with with the the top of the third. Um, Marsh doubles. All right, they're 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 in a position now to score. Rojas, K, and then he strikes out Schwarber. Bottom of the third, Marte has a two-out double. Carroll grounds out. Okay, so we're still good. We're going even Steven at this point. Now let's get to the top of the sixth. The kid fought, is pitching a hell of a game. And, and I don't know why they couldn't pick him up. Uh, he didn't have overpowering stuff. He had good stuff, and he he it competed out there, and the Phillies were just not in tune, whether it was the trip to Arizona, whatever it was, whether it was no BP, they just didn't seem like they, they were on him last night, all right? So now he brings in Saul Frank for Schwarber, and, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is a Thompson move. This is an analytics move that when he goes third time through the lineup, but, but there are a lot of people that in Arizona, they thought the same thing that we would have thought if you take a pitcher out early. But he brings in the left-hander for Schwarber, and and uh, he walks him. The left-hander walks him. And when the Diamondbacks have brought in left-handers in this series, none of them have done the job that they're supposed to do. So then Turner grounds out. So they get out of the inning. At that point, fought and had 70 pitches had given up two hits. He had nine strikeouts and no walks, and he took him out of the game. All right? They survived the inning. We go to the bottom of the sixth. Marte doubles. Carroll grounds to second. Marte goes the third. And this is where he brings in Hoffman. Uh, and Hoffman does his job. He K's Moreno. He gets Walker to ground out. But in the bottom of the sixth, he burns Hoffman. He's now used up Hoffman. Where he cannot use them in the spot that he uses Kirkering. So just keep that in mind. While you survive that inning, Thompson is a manager to survive the circumstance. And he worries about it later. And most of the time, it has worked out for him. But keep in mind that he has now burned Hoffman. Okay, we go to the seventh inning. Saul Frank uh, walks Harper. Ryan Thompson comes in. The side armor veteran. Bohm gets a swinging butt hit. All right, they're in good shape, first and second. Stott hits into a double play. Harper goes to third. And Harper scores on a wild pitch. After Thompson's doing his job. He throws one 10 feet wide to the left. Harper scores, and, and the Phillies are on top. Now, at this stage, here it is. The bottom of the seventh. And you've got to make a pitching move unless you want to send Hoffman out again, which he does decides not to do. The data on Hoffman, I guess, is he's good for the finish of the inning. You don't send him back out. And he's got Kirkering in the biggest spot of his life. Now, I have been warning you about Kirkering. He's got good stuff and he has executed pitches very well, but now... The scouting report is that he throws the slider almost 90% of the time. Teams adjust to that. If you're not going to mix in a fastball, change up, whatever, people can sit on a slider that's going to be on the outside part of the plate. So here we go. No Dominguez, mind you, all right? So uh, going into the playoffs, you had thought that Kirkering in that little frame towards the end of the year had moved ahead of Dominguez in the pecking order. And that's the way Thompson saw it because he goes to Kirkering in that spot and not Dominguez. Fam singles to lead off the inning. And you go, ooh, this is not good. Alec Thomas runs from, very fast runner. Goriel hits the ball to center field. Rojas does not catch it. Now listen, a great center fielder makes that play. And this is the first play he really hasn't come up with. But the bottom line is he didn't come up with it. And he got tentative. If you looked at his feet towards the wall, he got a little tentative instead of being on a straight-out sprint. And that little delay cost him the feet necessary to get to the spot to get that ball. Okay. So now Smith gets the single to right field. They hold Goriel. The game is tied at this point. They hold Goriel, and I'm going, oh, my God, the Diamondbacks are so scared here. How do you hold him at third base? At that point, you got to be aggressive, and you got to force Castiano to throw you out. The Diamondbacks do the Phillies a favor. Goriel holds. Total mistake. Because now here comes Alvarado. He gets Rivera with a ground ball to the shortstop. For some reason, Goriel goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, okay, I, I've been taught a lot of baseball by a lot of good managers and coaches. And the infield is in. Now, at a major league level, I understand it's different because the ball is hit harder. But here is what you're taught to do as a base runner. You are taught to be 10 feet off the base. The third baseman can't get to the bag quick enough to, to make up that 10-foot lead that you have. So you're going to be able to get back if Turner turns and throws the boom who's trying to cover the base, you're going to be able to get back. So the move is this. You read the ball off the bat. If it's directly at a fielder, you hold, but you stay in that 10-foot range. And then you wait for what that shortstop does. In this particular case, Goriel ran back to the bag. And when he ran back to the bag, he took away his advantage because Turner sees it and then decides to go to the second baseman who then converts the double play. The move is twofold here. If you were 10 feet off the base and the ball is hit directly at the the fielder, which was done here, if it's to his left or his right, then you're going on contact. And I know there's a small margin there, but you got to be slick enough to read where that is. In this case, it comes right to him. The great base runner holds his position. If Turner then turns to second base to throw it to second base, then you go. And then you force Stott to read the play and make that throw after he gets the ball at second base to home. That's aggressive base running. That's good base running. The Diamondbacks did not execute good base running in that position. And so the game is still alive on that kind of a mistake. Because Perdomo grounds out to the pitcher, and they get out of it. All right, Darren, are you reading me so far? I'm with you, Mike. I'm with you. All right. So there you go. That's the dynamic of a base runner there. People go, well, how can he tell? Well, this is what makes a great base runner. If you're 10 feet off a third base, you know the infield's in, and in your mind, you go, okay, ball, hit to his left or right. I'm going on contact. Ball. Ball. Two hopper right to him, I got a hole, but now let's see what he does. And if he turns away from me and goes to second base, that time should be able to start your clock to go towards the plate, and then Stott has to catch, notice, and make a strike. And and, and you score the run, and that's aggressive base running. So the Diamondbacks, with this this reputation of being able to run the bases, spit the bit there, and the game goes on. Bottom of the eighth inning now we go, they get him out. Moreno hits a two-out double. They intentionally walk uh, uh, Walker, and then Thomas grounds out. Skate out of it again, and here we go to the top of the ninth. Bo strikes out
1: with Harper. (laughs) Hold on, Mike. There's a lesson there, and I want to to tell this to a lot of young people that are listening last night because my daughter, as you know, is a pitcher, and I try and teach her situational uh, softball slash baseball. You know, in that position, right, you got a tight game, Okay. There's two outs in the inning. It's tied. And then you get a two-out double. A lot of young pitchers will get all nervous. They worry about the guy at second. That's a teaching moment for young pitchers. Just worry about the batter at that point. It happened to the Phillies twice in the game, twice in that game last night where the Diamondbacks got a two-out double, runner in scoring position. They, and the second time it happens, as you just mentioned, they walk Walker. Just worry about the batter key on the batter I think one of those at least one of those two times Real Muta came out for a mound visit probably just to remind because listen pros do the same drills and you get the same reminders as young bucks little league high school so don't dismiss little things like that that's you know something I like to hammer Well, listen
0: the, the Phillies have the advantage in that spot because they They had the lefty against Alec Thomas, the young hitter, right? So it was a no brainer to to intentionally walk Walker uh, to put runners on first and second. You set up a force play, whatever, and Thomas grounds out and they get out of the. Just worry
1: about the batter in that situation.
0: Yeah. But it's Alvarado again. So against the lefty, he's going to be deaf. We go to the top of the ninth. Harper is on. Uh, Two outs. Boehm takes a curveball for strike three. Now, that was a great pitch. Seawold threw a great curveball, backdoored it, uh, front, yeah, uh, frontdoored it, actually, and uh, and got him looking. Two of those pitches boom should have struck out on. Two of those pitches were, caught, they were bad calls. <laughs> and so so he had three chances in that particular situation, and he didn't take advantage of it. All right, so now, we, okay, no harm, no foul. We go to the bottom of the ninth. You got nobody else. Who are you putting in that game? And people go, oh, Kimbrel sucks, blah, 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 blah. This is who you've ridden with. You don't have any other alternative. Most of the time, he's been successful. This time, he was not. Uh, and, and so, what, are you going to put Dominguez in there? Like, who, who are you putting in there at that point? Uh, uh, Kimbrel is in. Guriel, right-handed hitter. He walks the leadoff hitter. Now, you just can't do that. If Gurriel hits a home run off your best pitch, you tip your cap. But what you can't do is walk the lead off Then Goriel steals. Here you go with the great Diamondbacks uh, running game. It took him until Kimbrel, who can't hold me on first base, it was in the game for them to actually steal a base. And Gor- so Goriel steals a base. Smart, because Kimbrel's not going to hold you on. Uh, Smith hits one up the middle that, that Stott carrals, keeps it to an infield single. And then Smith on defensive indifference steals second base. So now we're second and third. And uh, Rivera uh, is up, hits a grounder to Turner. smash to Turner, who makes a great play. Backhand toss pops up, throws it to the plate, and gets Guriel at the plate. All right, this game is still going on because of that great play by Trey Turner. How do you and play, play by Turner? For Domo, do and then he's got Marte. Now, Marte's their best hitter, okay? So, again, you can't walk Perdomo in that situation to get to Marte who's going to come up as a left-handed hitter. Give Marte credit because he hit a high fastball that a lot of guys would pop up. That that fastball was up here. It's tough to get on top of a pitch like that. Marte got up on it and leveled it off. A good hitter who makes the the, the hit of the game, and, and they win the game. Boom. The Phillies lose that game. And you can look at a 100 different things on how they lost it. And I go back to, why did you not take batting practice? Like, what makes sense about that? I I just don't understand it. When you fly all the way across the country, you're on the field. You're feeling good about yourself. You're getting pulled by every media outlet in the world on the field, Major League Baseball Network. You're trying to warm up. They're grabbing you for a quick interview and a whole bit. And you can take moments like that for granted. And so I don't understand, uh, just like, batting practice is not going to make you a 300 hitter. I get it. But still, as a familiarity with a swing, It's familiarity with seeing the, the ball off the bat, getting your hands inside the ball, just a little tune-up for the game. He just came from Philly to Arizona, all right? Okay. Also, uh, the, the, the Kirkering thing, you burn Hoffman, you don't have faith in Dominguez, you're going to have to use that kid in the big spot. Is he ready for that big spot? You may think so. But guess what? The intensity is heightened a hundredfold in a situation like that. And you got to be conscious of that. And then finally, you have no choice but to use Kimbrell. It just didn't work out. All this said, there is no way that this Arizona team has shown enough offense to beat the Phillies. For crying out loud, they won a game last night. People think, oh, here come the Diamondbacks. What did they do last night? They didn't do anything offensively. The only reason they won that game is because the Phillies, the superior offensive team, didn't do anything. So, am I worried about game five? No, Me I am not worried about game five. Arizona is going to try to get the Phillies out with a bullpen in game four, five for the World Series. Your boy Joe the, Mantiply coming
1: in as an opener tonight. Mantiply, opener.
0: Yeah, what Mantiply, who got ripped in front of his family in Philadelphia, now starts the game. <laughs> for for the Arizona Diamondback. I was like, <laughs> okay, I get it. You lost. My God, the people who overreacted this, Mike, you see, you were wrong. What am I wrong? I said five games at most. Yeah, All right? The Arizona Diamondback, react. have you looked at that team and say, you know what, they're viable. They got a chance to beat the Phillies. No. Be honest with me. No. Here, do you absolutely. look at that team and say, wow, my God, I fear them now. No. They don't hit.
1: No, absolutely not. It's a football <laughs> fans... Uh, uh,
0: Reaction to a Philly <laughs> yeah.
1: playoff. This ball. team
0: does not hit. Yeah. All right, let's move on. All right, that's my Phillies wrap up for today. There is another game this weekend, however, as we await tonight's Phillies game on the Mike Missinelli podcast, sponsored by Bet Rivers. And that game is the Eagles Dolphins Sunday Night Tilt. Five and one, five and one, and I got news for you. Uh, I don't like the Eagles in this spot. Now, the line is telling you a little something-something. I expected it would be one and a half, and I've, you know, if it was one and a half, that's a dead uh, uh, Dolphins line. It's two and a half, which is undercutting the home team slightly by the people in Vegas. But let me just give you some facts and figures.
1: I've seen more of two and a half anymore instead of three as far as – Yeah, it's two
0: and a half. It's definitely yeah. two and a half right now. Yeah, uh, Okay. Yeah, but I so- mean, like,
1: as far as Vegas, usually it's always the home – Minus three, neutral field. I'm seeing more where... Yeah, so they're telling you they don't believe
0: it. in the Eagles at home as much as normally we would believe in a home team. All right, so let's, let's look at the game now. Here's the, the, the uh, underlying factor in this game. Can the Eagles score with Miami in this game? Because here's the, here, the dead truth of this. The Dolphins are going to be passing the football against a really depleted and weakened secondary. Now, Slay is going to come back. But who could cover Tyreek Hill this year? Nobody. And they got Jalen Waddell on the other side. Now, let me just give you some numbers here. The Dolphins are averaging 37.2 points per game. That's first in the NFL. They are averaging 316.8 yards per game. That's first in the NFL. They are average, averaging 13.7 yards per completion. That's first in the NFL. Tyreek Hill is averaging 135.7 yards per game. That's first in the NFL. He is averaging 19.4 yards per completion. That's first in the NFL. Tua has thrown 14 touchdowns. That's first in the NFL. And his rating is 114.1. That's first in the NFL. I've run out of firsts. I've run out of first in this game, Okay. So uh, let's, let's look here at, at, at what the Eagles can do. They need to pressure the quarterback, and they do pressure the quarterback. They need to get him to get a little nervous, move him off his spot, throw the ball wildly, and get a couple interceptions. Uh, can they do that? Well, y- yes, they, they can do that. However, Tua has only been sacked six times And he leads the league in 24.3, the least quarterback pressure in the league. So that hasn't been a formula to beat the Dolphins because they have been able to defeat that. Now the Eagles, they sack the quarterback. The 20 sacks is fifth. Uh, Quarterback hits, they're tied for second in the league. They're getting Jalen Carter back, which should help. They're getting Slay back. Uh, However... Even with Slay back, the numbers don't favor the Eagles' secondary. On the back end, they are, have a 90.8 rating to wide receivers in general, much less the Tyreek Hill-led wide receivers. Kareem, uh, uh, Raheem Mostert, uh, 6.8 yards per carry last week. Now, the Eagles hold running backs to considerably less than that. They've held running backs all year. To 3.1 yards per carry. If the Eagles can shut down the Miami running game, which offsets their passing game, maybe they've got a chance to intercept the ball and get some turnovers. Um, uh, Lane Johnson, I am being told, will definitely play. So that helps. However, I'm going to predict something right now that Lane Johnson gets called twice for false starts. He's got, he's got a weakened ankle. He's going to try to get off quick. Uh, I just want you to be warned that you're going to have to take a couple penalties in this game for a false start. Um, the Dolphins' defense pretty good. 21 sacks. Tied for third in the league. They're first in quarterback hits. But what they don't do is cover the pass. This is a game where I know people love the balance. We've got to run the ball more. And, yeah, I agree with that. However... Passing is going to beat the Dolphins here. You got to get rid of the ball quick, defeat that pass rush, which has been effective because they have a 98.9 rating to quarterbacks. That's 26th in the league. They have a 105.9 rating to wide receivers. That's 25th in the league. And the Eagles are going to hit you with a couple of pretty good wide receivers. Now, I don't know if Julio Jones is going to play. I don't know if he makes a difference uh, in this first game at, at all. But see me, to me, that's the formula. Got to get rid of the ball quick. You have to pass the ball against them. You got to defeat their pass rush. And somehow you got to try to score with them because I don't think you're going to shut them down. And if the Dolphins score 35 points, you're not going to win the game. Darren, your thoughts.
1: Well, and I agree. Here's the thing the best, you know, it's it's kind of cliche at this point uh, when you say things like this, but the best defense for the Eagles is to run the ball, control the clock, and keep Miami's offense on the sideline. Now, you said the other option, which I'm with you is to uh, have a game plan where the quarterback is going to get rid of the ball quickly. That's... At my, uh, last week, I was screaming for that in the second half. When Lane Johnson went down, um, they got destroyed on the offensive line because either Hurts is holding the ball too long or they were just throwing all deep patterns. It didn't make any sense. And I know their starting quarterbacks were out, but the offensive line wasn't giving them enough time to throw. So my biggest concern right now is will the offensive game plan be there for Hertz to get rid of the ball quickly? And if it's there, will Hertz execute that? He seems to hold the ball too long this year, and I get. And he runs a little bit backwards, which I'm not used to seeing him do. I never ever want to see a quarterback run backwards, either straight up or 45 degrees to each side. Maybe if you have to loop around and tackle, be but fine. But he's holding the ball. Way too long this year. And that's been consistent since the start of the season. So, I'm with you. That's the game plan. Run the ball, control the clock, or throw the ball. You get the ball out in under two and a half seconds. Quick, man. But I don't know that the game plan will be there for that. My biggest concern with this team right now is Brian Johnson, the offensive coordinator. I think he's in a little bit over his head right now. Things calling plays at the pro level. It's Going a little fast for him, so that's yeah. my concern. I agree with your game plan. I just don't know that they can yeah, execute uh, that.
0: Yeah, and I get it. I, I see. I they're going to have to score in this game, and uh, I just uh, don't see that they can match what what the Dolphins are going to do scoring wise. I mean, you're talking about a lot of Josh Jobs and Justin Evans back there against, uh, and Blankenship's not going to play in this game. Most Justin likely. Evans so, is not a pro player.
1: He really isn't. It's yeah. Shame. So
0: I mean, I it's, it's, Tyreek Hill's a nightmare. Nobody could cover him. And with depleted secondary, I don't know how what kind of game plan you have. That's you so much
1: speed on that offense. All right. Right, man. So uh,
0: I don't like the Eagles this weekend. And, and this is uh, interesting because losing this game, and then you, you get, a I think, a bop with the commanders. Oh, the commanders played them well last time. Then you go into the gauntlet. So uh, I hope this is not a snowball where they lose two in a row and then uh, scrape by against the commanders and then have to – go against uh, those uh, really good teams that are going to play. and uh, like Hopefully they don't suffer like three losses. And all of a sudden, you look up, they got five losses on the board. All right, we'll see what happens with the Eagles and Dolphins this weekend. It's time for my picks of the week. Uh, And the picks of the week this week, um, you know, the the, the NFL card has been stanko lately. I, I can't get a grip on the NFL. And even in college this week, listen, the big college game, which I will stay away from. Is Penn State at Ohio State? Uh, I believe Penn State wins the game. I really do. And unfortunately, down the road they I lose at you. home to Michigan, which kind of messes up things. So I believe they will beat Ohio State in this game. Now it's a five-point line. So I'm if if you it, got yeah. if yeah. if you have balls, you play the lines. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to put any kind of stain on this game. I'm gonna stay away from it, and I'm gonna watch Big Noon with the. Uh, The Ohio State Buckeyes and Penn State Nittany Lions should be a great game. Uh, My picks of the week, so I will go to college, however. You know, Washington State in the Pac-10, a pretty solid team. And they lost last week. But I look up and they are a 20-point underdog at Oregon. Now, I mean, that's a line that's telling me the Ducks Rompolo. 20 against a really good Washington State team. That's Oregon routes them in this game. That's what that line's telling me. So I'm going to take the Ducks there minus the 20. All right, now let me go to pros. You know, I'm looking at this. It's almost a trap. The Lions plus three at the Ravens. I think the Lions are a better team than the Ravens. So I'm confused by this line. I don't know where to go. The easy thing to do is take the Lions with three. But that's fishy, that line. So I'm staying away from the game. I'm going to go easy, I think. This is a week where I think i got to go easy, not outsmart myself. The Seahawks, minus seven and a half at home against the Cardinals. Big enough line for me to back the Seahawks. Uh, and then uh, I will go with the the Colts. Uh, plus three. Very tiny line against the team coming off a monster win last week. I think the Colts actually win the game. So I'll take the Colts plus three. I'll take the Seahawks minus seven and a half. And I'll take the Oregon Ducks minus 20. Darren, you got anything?
1: Mike, yeah, one and one for me last week. So far, only one losing week, unless you want to consider the one and one weeks because you lose a big. But I I normally put two games out. I got three games this week. Uh, And you're right, man. These cards have been just shitty. Uh, And that's mainly because we talked about this. Half the league is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if the leagues are awful football games or football teams. I like Washington. I'm going to take uh, Washington, the commanders, uh, minus three over the uh, over the Giants. I, I think the Giants lost another offensive lineman this week. It's just incredible to me. I think their entire offensive line uh, to start the year is now either injured, uh, at least on IR or out for the year. Like Washington, minus three at the Giants. I did look at this Lions game, and sometimes I'm just going to, you know, What's that, Occam's Razor? I'm just going to take Detroit plus three because I think they're a much better team than the Ravens. And it's not a far travel game for them. R- uh, Lions are uh, flying high. and
0: Yeah, it's a fishy, fishy, It is fishy a weird line. line.
1: I thought the same thing. It is a, they're almost and when like it's they're fishy, I either Detroit. take
0: the team that it's fishy in favor of or I stay away. So I'm going to stay away from that game.
1: Yeah, it's probably the smart move, but I'm not a smart man. So I'm going to go Lions plus three. My right. third
0: game. And this is, I
1: know you're not going to like this because how can you possibly, but I'm going to take the five and a half with the LA Chargers at Kansas City. I think KC wins the game. I think the Chargers cover. That is coaching for his job at this point. We'll talk about the midway point maybe next week, what coaches probably will be going at the end of the year. Staley's at the top of my list, especially if he loses on Sunday. Uh, so I'll take the five and a half at Kansas City with the Chargers. So Washington, the Lions,
0: and the L.A. Yeah. charges. The Mike Miss rule of betting is to, when there's a five-point, five-and-a-half-point line, stay away from the number five. The number five ne- never does you any good. It's impossible to determine when uh, there's five.
1: I thought number five will always love me.
0: Yeah, number five might always love you, but in the betting world, <laughs> the five does not always love you. Okay, it is time now for Mike Unleashed. Mike Unleashed is a very short commentary today because I thoroughly enjoyed my time at the Phillies game the other night, game two of this series against the Diamondbacks. And, you know, I wanted to get there early. I was really hungry, and I wanted to get there early to uh, take advantage of the food offerings as I was uh, got off the subway, walked into the park. I'm really hungry. What am I in the mood for? And for the first time, uh, usually I go to the Sausage and Pepper kiosk, which, to me, never lets you down. Uh, or, if you're in the mood for a cheesesteak, you go out to Ashburn Alley. But as I walked in the third base gate, It lured me a Mac and Manco uh, uh, shop right there by the third base gate. And I go, you know, let me deal with the Mac and Manco here. Uh, I didn't know what to expect, but of course it's self-serve and they've got all the pizzas ready-made stacked for you. And one uh, plane is 14, one with pepperoni is 15. I go, Hey, listen, when I get, when I get a meat bonus uh, for an extra dollar, I'm going to the pepperoni. And I got to tell you, that I now find that that is the best bargain at the ballpark. It's a nice size pizza, first of all. I couldn't finish it, frankly. And for 15 bucks, it was totally satisfying. And I decided to go with Maca Manco, And I got to give it a double thumbs up for the value, the taste, and the fact that it was an ample portion. Darren, your thoughts.
1: Well, you know, Mako Manko. I always thought like Aramark, it's all Aramark's food. Right? Like, that's the way it used to be. Like, you know, when, uh, when Tony Luke's, or there's a couple places down there when they originally put their names, it was all Aramark. But I've not yet had the Manko Manko at the ball yard. I am not a Mako Manko or Manko, whatever it is now, guy. I don't really, I'm not, I'm one of the few that says, eh, pizza's a little overrated, a little soggy for me. Um, it's not soggy I mean, at
0: all. And that's where you probably have never had a macamanco. It's not soggy. It's crispy.
1: Uh, it's not down to shore. When you come off yes, the Bulldogs, no, you, you, out so the boardwalk, you you,
0: you're talking out of your butt now because you have no idea. The one thing that stands out about macamanco be- is that it's crispy. It's not soggy.
1: But I only have had it like like coming off the beach. Okay, that's why you got to step, step out. out quick.
0: You got to step out of the evaluation here because you don't know. <laughs> it's exactly the opposite. It's crispy.
1: I've had the piece. All overrated. Down to shore, right. Sam's Wildwood's for me. By the way, Mr. Schmitter at the ball yard was, my, was, was the best Schmitter sandwich. Schmitter hasn't I've
0: been there for like 10 years. That's why
1: I, <laughs> I, that's why I miss it. That's why you miss it. I miss it.
0: All right. And, and let me give you a little, a little inside here. Now, I don't know. if I should do this because now it, the gig is up. Uh, um, when you go to the bathroom between innings and you're in a third base side, Invariably, you're going to have a line, and I hate standing in a line the worst one of the worst experiences you could possibly have is standing in a male urinal line at a ballpark because you're you're in the concourse and you're just sitting there like an idiot. And uh, people are in front of you, and most of the people are drunk anyway. And they probably harass the get, hell out you. of you. You just can't wait to get to the thing. And I, I got these, I wear these bird dog uh, uh, joggers where there's no fly in the front. So but I got to get there. I got to yank them down a little bit. Fortunately, I got my, my Tommy John underwear on where there's a nice slot where you can get easy access. But it's one of the worst experiences ever. And you're trying to get back to the ballpark to see the game. Well, I discovered a shortcut right there at the third base gate is Pass and Stow.
1: Are you sure you want to you want to do this? You want to give out your secret cuz you did- this is gonna be flooded,
0: Listen, I'm not gonna be back there, so it doesn't really matter. Well, we'll but, uh, I'm saying that uh, there's no nobody understands that you can go into the passing stove and there's a bathroom right there. I'm just I'm just saying, shh, don't tell anybody. Don't, don't tell anybody. Tell.
1: We get ten pe- thousand 20, people 20,000 people that listen to this every day. And you're not gonna tell anybody. But <laughs> well, this, this
0: is not this is not indigenous to me now. there's a secret sale So if you want to try to do it, it's only one bathroom. So it's like if if, if people do it, now, it it defeats the purpose of it. You, you're not gonna wait in line for one bathroom anyway. So well, I'll add it, this:
1: give the good people the patience, though. The good bartenders remember to tip always. Remember to tip your bartenders. Well, tip your bartenders. get a beer on the way
0: out. Yeah, tip your bartenders and wash your grummy hands after, right. you, <laughs> after you after you uh, all right, that'll that'll uh, that'll do it for uh, Mike Unleashed. And I think that'll about do it for the podcast. Uh, don't forget that we do a podcast there after every game, especially this Friday podcast leads you into the football weekend. Uh, I, you can get me. Uh, uh, somebody just did this this week. Uh, asked for a personal shout out from me for the wedding. Uh, the, the guy who is getting married wanted to put this in a montage for his fiance and they're getting married this weekend. So congratulations to that happy couple. And you can get a shout-out from me at Cameo.com. Just put in Mike Missinelli, and uh, I will give you a personal shout-out, a little video tribute, video recording, especially tailored to you. Uh, also, you can get me on Twitter, miss 25 My email address, Mike at MikeMiss.com. And I'm also available for speaking engagements. I haven't had a speaking engagement in a really long time. Yeah, I'm pretty good at it. I got to be honest with you. So whatever your occasion is, you know, I, I'll give you the whole world view. You know, I just don't keep it to a certain subject. Uh, I enlighten the people. I get feedback from the people. I do a Q&A. So if you're interested, just go to my website, MikeMiss.com. All right, I actually Daddy. have a speaking engagement coming, Mike. My you daughter do?
1: takes a sports management course at, high, at the Cherokee, in high school in Marlton, Marlton, New Jersey. Her teacher asked, would your dad want to come in and talk?
0: To the students, oh, and I thought, well, there you go. Pretty cool.
1: I it's unpaid, but you know it's nice. to yeah. ask to do that. So how are you
0: anyway. as a public speaker?
1: I'm not bad. I don't. I don't uh-huh. shy away. You know, I'm not one of those okay. people that gets real nervous and stuff like that. I just, right, well, I'm good just luck to you. go in and have a conversation with the kids and just tell good, them. Good man, know, have,
0: educate the young minds with your wisdom. <laughs> be you sure go. to tell everybody so you so predicted the Diamondbacks <laughs> would be a threat. And it wouldn't be a sweep with all these people on social media. You go down in an apology. And your sister's ass says your apology. All right. all right, You can come I'm, with me to that to the speaking game. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. This got to be a paycheck and all. all right, it, 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 thank you very much for listening to the to the Mike Missanelli podcast. Uh, Phillies will win uh, this game, and we'll have no worries at all. And you I agree. Start to, Stop hanging Kimbrel and effigy in, in the whole bit. And uh, <laughs> Sunday will be a tough Sunday. It'll be a tough game. Be sure to watch yes. us on the post-game show. Myself, Seth Joyner, Derek Gunn, and Kayla Santiago, a Jacob Media post-game show live from Ocean Casino. You can see it on 6abc.com and the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Have a great rest of the afternoon. I may go over and hit some, some, some golf balls today. It looks like the sun's coming out here in the Delaware Valley. Have a good afternoon. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Mike Missanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.